Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now. On 90.1 FM KSRQ, we are beyond the FM dial. You can check us out live and in the moment at RadioNorthland.org. And we're available on the TuneIn app. If you happen to miss us, you didn't get to check us out live, you know, things happen, life happens, you can always, always go to the archives. We are all available to classic episodes over uh, seven seasons, uh, getting close to number eight here. Man, we've got a lot of years and a lot of great interviews on uh, RadioNorthland.org slash Rasslin' Memories. Yes, Rasslin' Memories, then and now back on the air. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my good friend, way down deep in the heart of Texas. This guy, man, he's down in his mobile studio. He's always willing and he's always ready, and he's always uh, looking for an idea to pass along and a, uh, and a great person to book here and there for the shows. It's always wonderful to have my, my co-host, partner in crime, Mr. Michael McCurdy, the grizzled veteran Michael McCurdy. Mike, my friend, welcome to the program. Oh, always good to be back in the co-host chair, man. I enjoy talking to wrestling memories, and like you said, we got some great guests coming up, and Got some stuff coming up for later on this year. We're going to be talking more about that. Got some irons in the fire. We're going to, I think our listeners are going to be a little happy with what we got coming up. But, you know, this week, I think we got a great guest as well. And, and how, how appropriate as far as uh, the timing goes on this, uh, Mike, uh, as uh, we'll be uh, airing this episode, uh, quite close to uh, the man of whom we're going to pay tribute to his birthday coming up. And he's also going to be receiving some, some big honors uh, here in the month of May. Oh man, when I when I think about Owen Hart, uh, there's just so many memories come to mind. So many great wrestling memories, my friend. And uh, we're gonna shine the light on uh, truly one of the greats. Oh, definitely, man. Owen Hart's always been one of my favorites, and like you said, uh, Hall of Fame induction coming up at the uh, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. I will be there uh, Friday of that weekend, so hopefully I'll get a chance to you know do a little bit of live from the Hall of Fame for the fans and all that, and we'll get a little bit more of that induction weekend and. But right, Owen Hart's going in. His birthday's coming up right about the time of this airing, you know. And unfortunately, we—I cannot believe, man—it's been 20 years since his passing. Does not seem—I does not seem it's been that long, man. But you know, for me, this is a great episode, and this is someone I'm wanting to talk about because you know, listeners may not know this. My son is named after Owen Hart. That was something I asked my wife. I said, if we ever have a son, I want to name him after Owen, and he—she agreed. And, well, you know, now I got my own little eight-year-old wrestler in the, uh, the apartment. He's ready to do his thing eventually. So, oh, that's just wonderful. And you know, you you went uh, above and beyond this uh, week, and actually, you were able to book uh, uh, a guest uh, who's been on the program a few times. Uh, he's a wonderful guy. I mean, I had a chance last summer to uh, uh, meet up with him and, and Bob Johnson and Len uh, LJ. Uh, yeah, over in Fargo, they were coming back from. Uh, the Waterloo Hall of Fame, uh, where they were honoring Owen that weekend last uh, summer. And uh, it was fun to hang out and to, to meet him in person after all these times that we've chatted here, whether on and off the air. And it was so great to to be able to have a little one-on-one time. Uh, and it's always great to have him on the program. And Mike, you, you, again, I, I appreciate you booking this man. And let's introduce this gentleman. Uh, he's from the famed Hart family. And man, he, he's done some good stuff uh, in his own right. It's always a pleasure to welcome a frequent guest to the program, Mr. Bruce Hart. Bruce, my friend, it's so good to hear you uh, once again. Uh, welcome to Rasslin' Memories. Oh, I appreciate uh, you guys inviting me on, and it's ni- nice to be back. I appreciate all the nice things you were saying, and uh, especially about Owen and uh, 
yeah, it is hard to uh, believe it's 20 years, you know, this uh, May 24th, you know, it uh, doesn't seem that long ago, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, time flies, as they say, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, you have a myriad of different uh, memories, perspectives, etc. you know, uh, regarding it, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that uh, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame obviously is uh, seeing Doc Owen and honor him and uh, you know Cauliflower Alley that that type of thing. It, it, it's kind of uh, nice that they're uh, remembering him. I'm a little bit disenchanted with WWE, frankly, that they uh, they have not uh inducted on or honored him or made any mention of him or I'm also disenchanted that uh a few other Stampede alumni, you know, Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith who are among the the greatest singles and tag team wrestlers in WWE history. In fact, you know, all over the world, not just WWE which even makes it that much more to me egregious that they haven't uh, almost cheapens the uh, so-called propriety or legitimacy of the uh, Hall of Fame when you're inducting, uh, no offense, Tory Wilson or <laughs> Medusa, whose main claim to fame is dumping Vince's belt in the garbage can on WCW Nitro, or he got some of these whether I don't know what, what the point of even having some of those uh, so-called celebrity types that are inducted, but it annoys me when I see some of that, or it also bothers me when I see this, you know, where they throw out a few names from the past, most of whom are iconic legends, and make them like they're in the... Uh, whatever wing of the W, they don't actually get an induction or they don't uh, get honored or recognized. If you did it in baseball where you were saying, oh, by the way, uh, we got Toto Maggio and Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and, uh, you know, uh, Walter Johnson and, uh, you know, Ted Williams or in the, <laughs> the uh, XYZ nondescript wing and then we're inducting... Uh, you know, a bunch of guys whose lifetime average is 250. I I don't know what the you know I, I don't want to get off track here, but uh, you know, given that they have a window and they have you know the WCW or WWE Network and the uh, the means to pay respect and whatever to these people, they they should do it right. And those guys. Uh, Certainly, you know, I see so many of them on there. They obviously paid their dues and they paved the way for today's generation and all like that. And to me, it would be uh, appropriate and, uh, to quote Paul Levesque, best for business. If they honored those people, you know, they certainly, you know, paid, you know, paved the way for the, uh, wrestling as it is today and uh so you know that, that kind of annoys me and you know going back to Owen I uh I don't know what I, I surmise or gather the WWE's maybe 
justifiably uh, apprehensive about incurring the wrath of Owen's wife or Owen's widow. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't know what steps WWE, uh, WWE has made to uh, maybe do this, but I would have thought it would have maybe uh, made made the situation a little bit, you know, kind of easier to implement if they had maybe uh, inducted Owen along with Davey. And, uh, like, when they were inducting Anvil, you know, as part of the Hart Foundation, they could have... That, that may have made the whole situation a little, you know, less inflammatory with Owen's widow or something. I, you know, I think that the fact that they're just ignoring it or uh, not not even making any explanation whatsoever about, you know, people like Owen. And I have no frank, no idea, frankly, why Davy Boy hasn't been inducted either. You know, he, he, it's not like these guys are marginal. Like, I've seen a lot of marginal guys that, frankly, didn't really... Uh, warrant being in there maybe like Michael Hayes or Mike Von Erich or Chris Von Erich or uh, Coco or uh, you know Godfather some of those guys you know they're they're all right but they weren't uh, they, most of them never even had a belt or they lost more than they won and all this kind of stuff you know so it's, um, to me it's uh, you know an insult to the the people that they're overlooking and uh, you know they keep talking about it's what's best for the double, the fans or whatever so by that token the fans should be uh, obliged I think it would be a very uh, kind of uh, riveting and you know um, be a moment that the fans could really uh, cherish and indulge in if if they were to induct Owen or, as I said before, Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy, they were as iconic a babyface team as has been in the WWE. And beyond all that, all three of those guys were huge stars everywhere else, not just in WWE. Like, a lot of the WWE talent was only stars in WWE, and they were, you know, in part, because of, you know, politics and stuff, but a lot of them were not that big a star in Japan or other places, but Owen and Dynamite and Davey, uh, they were huge stars uh, everywhere they went, and, uh, you know, beyond all that, they were cutting edge. They were kind of the, the guys that uh, set the table for the next generation. You know, I've seen so many guys uh, that modeled themselves or emulated, you know, Dynamite Kid or Owen or, or Davy Boy. They were inspired by them and, you know, they were endeavoring to be like them, you know, and they, they uh, you know, by that token, that, that should make it that much more obligatory for them to be uh, honoring those guys. If you're going to do something, do it right, you know, uh, or mm. don't do it at all. If you're going to, like, I have trouble with WWE. They uh, they have a huge window on with the TV and 
all like that in which to uh, do this right. So, uh, you know, they should have all the uh, pieces in place. And it frustrates me that they uh, don't even have a brick-and-mortar Hall of Fame where there's no actual, you know, Cooperstown or Canton, Ohio type thing. And by that token, then they, you know, I've, I've had the uh, president of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, Johnny Mantel, had many a conversation with him, and you know it seemed to be maybe uh, not a bad idea for WWE to be, uh, you know, interacting. Given that they already have a brick and mortar Hall of Fame down in Wichita Falls, Texas, then uh, why not endeavor to work with them? You know, and uh, you know, especially with WWE, is uh, you know they got this kind of. Uh, pseudo uh, outreach to uh, non-WWE guys where they're inducting uh, you know, Gordis George or they inducted my dad a few years ago or they had Abdullah the Butcher and a few other guys that were never in WWE but were big enough stars that they uh, warranted being inducted but if WWE is going to uh, you know, make out like they're embracing you know, guys prior to Hulkamania or whatever, then uh, maybe they should work with, you know, the, the existing W uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And uh, by all accounts, they do nothing. They don't even recognize or acknowledge that, yet they don't have a Hall of Fame itself. You know, to me, it's pointless to have a Hall of Fame. You know, if it's if you can't go to Cooperstown, and you can't uh, have some tangible sense of, uh, you know, this iconic hallowed halls or whatever, then the whole thing is kind of, you know, for want of a better term, half-assed, and it doesn't uh, deserve to be called the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm trying to give WWE the benefit of the doubt, I guess, the very fact that we're talking about it in a wishful sense, you know, indicates that, you know, there's, I have some respect and, uh, you know, uh, I, I take it seriously, but they need to uh, do it a lot better. They can't be petty and kind of, uh, unfortunately, that's the case. A lot of the people that should be in the Hall of Fame, maybe for whatever reason, offended or you know, did something that didn't agree with some of the people in the WWE so they're excluded it's sort of like little kids clubhouse or something like that which isn't you know professional and it's you know uh, not good for business you, you have to uh, recognize that nobody's perfect a lot of the people that uh, are maybe being excluded from the Hall of Fame, uh, maybe, you know, piss somebody off or, or did something, I don't know what, but uh, it, it's still, you can't uh, expect people to take the Hall of Fame seriously if you're excluding people and you're putting people in there that really don't deserve to be in there, but they're a friend of somebody or they were, you know, somebody's... Uh, crony or related to somebody or something like that, you know. So I think they need to re-examine the whole 
thing, and uh, it'll be a lot more professional with the uh, inductions and the uh, the whole thing. And um, as I said before, I think they need to be embracing maybe the the existing Hall of Fame and uh, getting behind it and um, some kind of a joint initiative that uh, ultimately is, you know, paying respect to the right people and also kind of satisfying the uh, whims of the um, so-called WWE universe, which at this point seems to be ignored or not taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let Mike uh, ask a a couple of questions here, Mike. uh, I know you have a couple ready to go here on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now with the legendary Bruce Hart as we look back on the life of Bruce's brother, Owen. Mike, are you ready to go? Well, yes, I am, of course. Um, One thing I'd like to ask, Bruce, you know, we, we mentioned in our intro, you know, this year, unfortunately, 20 years since his untimely passing, but, you know, there are fans now that weren't watching wrestling. They were small children. They weren't even born you know, when he passed, but 20 years later, people still remember Owen. People still watch his matches. People still, you know, want to see him go into the WWE Hall of Fame or whatever. What does that say about Owen as, you know, a wrestler in his career? Because 20 years, like I said, 20 years after his passing and people still remember him. People still want to watch him. What does that say about you know his career and his time in the ring that made him so memorable that we all you know we all miss him? Yeah, I, I think it speaks volumes about his uh, his career and and his personality or his character, who he was. And one of the things that really uh, frustrates and annoys me as well is uh, the uh, the fact that. Uh, my estimation, WWE, uh, it's only only in the last year or two of his career that Owen was even starting to being used anywhere near what his true capability was. You know, I I know we started Owen up here in Calgary in the uh, would have been uh, about '86 or thereabouts, and uh, Owen was. Uh, just incredible almost from the second he uh started he was like one of those exceptional uh you know kind of talents just a natural and he had a a great athletic ability great sense of time and great charisma just got it you know and uh his career really uh took off almost from the get-go which is pretty rare and uh it annoyed me that he hit the WWE maybe in around 1989, somewhere in there, and uh, they squandered a lot of his talent with mismanagement and stupid, uh, you know, miss, you know, kind of bad booking or whatever. They had him, uh, you know, in a lot of roles that weren't that uh, conducive to capitalizing on his talent. They had him like with Coco and high energy, and they had him uh, playing uh, kind of a. To me, it's like Daniel Bryan today being a heel. It doesn't really suit him, you know. And they had on playing a heel, which was kind of square peg in a round hole. And uh, then I, th- I think uh, it's kind of a sad irony that when they finally 
seem to start using Owen the right way, or they finally realize that it was best to you know, start uh, using him, uh, you know, putting a belt around him and making him uh, a legitimate uh, star. Uh, it was right around that time that he got killed. But uh, so it's a testimony to how well Owen was liked and all that uh, people remember him. But my estimation, there was a decade there of uh, bad booking, you know, where they didn't even uh, use him anywhere near what he was capable of. It reminded me a bit of, you know, some of the mismanagement of people like Brian Danielson or, uh, you know, um, to some degree CM Punk. The, uh, but I've seen some guys, I, I don't know what the pre-existing uh, rationale for the mismanagement was. I assume there's some politics and personal, you know, issues and stuff. I don't know, but uh, it annoyed the hell out of me that, you know, it, it kind of, uh, it, it's nice that Owens is, is uh, revered and well-remembered as he is today, but, um, you know, in my estimation, they didn't even come close to maximizing his his true potential, you know. I, I remember back in the day, Dave Meltzer, who you guys both know, uh, since back in about 86, he, you know, wrote some well-known quote that at this point, Owen's the best rookie I've ever seen. And, and so he, he was, or he wasn't like one of those guys who was trying to find his niche or learn how to work or any of that, he was uh, he was phenomenal, uh, you know, right from the get-go. And uh, 14 years later, you know, they still hadn't really, uh, if they'd given Owen half the push that they gave, say, the Ultimate Warrior, they, you know, uh, even if they'd given half the push that they gave Brett, you know, uh, or some of those other guys, uh, you know, he'd be that much more iconic today. And you don't like to digress into kind of uh, wondering if things had been different, but I would say if uh, if they had used him the right way and allowed him to be the star that he was capable, I have doubts that they would have had him doing some irresponsible stunt like the one that killed him. You know, that's my estimation. You know, I, it was some kind of grasping at straws. I still have never gotten a good explanation why the hell they uh, needed him to be coming to the ring on a, you know, a, a cable or a wire or whatever the hell, the, you know, that, that whole thing. Uh, you know, I've, I don't want to digress into uh, re-examining, you know, all the uh, things that were not kosher there, but, uh, you know, that, that, that in itself, uh, as I said before, you know, he should have been uh, used a lot better from the get-go, you know. Um, quite often they got guys who are not that talented, so they got to uh, kind of, uh, you know, give them gimmicks and have people uh, making them look better than they look, deserve to look and all like that. Yeah, Owen, Owen was one of those really exceptional talents who... Uh, was far better than he was ever really allowed to uh, show. He didn't need 
Like some guys need all the uh, artificial additives and the props, and the Owen didn't need any of those. Uh, you know, he just let him work. You know, he he was one of those types of guys who uh, could work with almost anybody, have a good match, heel or face, or long or short or whatever. You know, and uh, it's annoying when you see WWE. Uh, misuse people and there's been a lot that seem to be uh you know kind of treated that way you know i another one i digress again is dynamite kid they didn't really use him anywhere near what he was capable of you know he was hampered by injuries to some degree but uh and anybody who ever saw dynamite you know before he went to wwe uh would agree with me, if you ever saw him up here in Stampede, you know, he was, uh, you know, one of a kind. You know, most people don't even remember, you know, how good he was, you know, uh, somewhat, you know, curtailed by injuries near the end. It's a little, you know, uh, sad when you want, you know, the saddest words in the uh, English language I once read were, what if, you know, uh, you know, if uh, they had used them a different way, what if they hadn't, uh, you know, kind of uh, seen fit to uh, do irresponsible things because of their own lack of booking acumen or whatever. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, the gimmicks that they've saddled, they saddled Owen with. You know, and if you, if you look back, you know, he had a brief run with WCW. You know, then WWE, he was... Tag team with Coco Beware. He was a tag team with, you know, Jim Neidhart and the New Foundation. He teamed with Yokozuna. He teamed with Davey Boy Smith. He had a decent singles run. At the end, he was uh, teaming with Jeff Jarrett. Then we went back into, and they went back to the Blue Blazer gimmick, which is what led to um, his untimely yeah, I know, having but, been a It's a reflection of a lack of clear vision, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, and you know, which is uh, not good booking. If you have good talent, part of it's obligatory to you as a booker, you know, if, to uh, maximize the potential or you use that talent to the best of its ability. And um, that obviously wasn't the case when you have a guy like Owen, and uh, you have him with uh, a hodgepodge of all these different people. Uh, there's something egregiously wrong with the uh the mindset there i've never uh you know gotten any rationale or explanation from whoever in there you know uh, as to why uh why he was used in all these kind of you know less less than uh maximal maximizing his potential type scenarios like you know it's almost like he's turned running those names, Yokozuna and, uh, you know, uh, all those other guys, you know, it's like, uh, why the hell didn't they just let him wrestle, you know, uh, mostly as singles or, you know, uh, you know, it goes back to what I said before, the very fact that they had him in a bird costume and coming on a cable and, you know, it's a sign of, uh, you know, misuse and, uh, 
all of that, you know, so it, the whole thing just kind of frustrates you and, uh, you know, perplexes you when you start thinking about uh, the whole situation, you know, it was totally av- avoidable and uh, it's tragic, but if, if, if it had happened with maybe uh, some kind of a more rational situation, it still would have been tragic, but, uh, you know, more more excusable, I suppose, you know. Now, even with all the gimmicks, though, and all the tag team partners and everything, he still would put on what a lot of talent and a lot of guys he worked with say. He would still go out and work some of the greatest matches on the card that night. He would still go out and put forth 100% even with the gimmick or the tag team partner. Now, is that a testament to him as a professional and as, you know, just as a worker? And also, what do you think was probably the highlight of his career, you know, gimmick, non-gimmick, because honestly, you know, if you look back at all of his career, there's never really been a bad match. He had the ability to work with anybody. Um, Yeah, those are good questions. I I wouldn't even profess to know what maybe was the best match he had in WWE. I I thought he had some uh, not bad matches with Brett when when he turned heel, but... um, I always thought that was uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, miscasting on. So, like, it was was not bad matches, but uh, it was kind of more counterproductive to even have had on in that, you know, that role as this kind of whiny, uh, conniving heel type. It, it It didn't suit him, and I think the fans sort of knew that, too, you know, I remember talking to him a few times, and he was he was uh, almost too likable to to be hated. <laughs> he told me that he was playing this these different roles as you know, kind of Brett's whiny, obnoxious, spoiled brother and stuff like that. But uh, he told me he never ever felt even that comfortable doing it. And he said he sensed the fans didn't. Uh, really believe it was him either you know it's kind of uh but uh as for maybe his best matches i don't know he had some phenomenal matches in calgary even uh with dynamite kid when he was a face and dynamite was a heel up here um that was after dynamite dynamite kind of went on the downhill slide then he had already broken his back but they still had some incredible matches and he actually had some really good matches with this other guy that WWE wasted too. He was kind of a big obnoxious heel up here, a guy named Mike Shaw, and they used him in WWE as Bastion Booger and uh, Bischoff, and those guys miscast him too as Norman the Lunatic. But uh, he he was actually uh, an extremely talented big heel, you know, and a great on the interviews, uh, the microphone, Mike Shaw, and he and Owen had some uh, exceptional matches. Um, Owen had a few other really good matches with some of the Japanese guys that were up here that uh, maybe a lot of people in North America are unfamiliar with, people like Hiroshi Hase and Kichi Amata, better known as Jushin Liger, and um, 
he had some pretty good matches with Bad News Allen, and um, he even had some like bad matches with Honky Tonk Wayne or Honky Tonk Man, as they called him, you know, uh, early in his career. And uh, those are some of the guys that I recall on having some really uh, good matches with. You know, uh, I know he, he said he. He had a, uh, a lot of regard for uh, some of the guys in WWE. I, I don't recall him uh, working with those guys that much, but uh, he told me he had a lot of regard for Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and uh, he said he had a lot of respect for Randy Savage, you know, as a worker and uh, a pretty good guy in the dressing room and all like that. But yeah, another guy he had a lot of respect for, and unfortunately, a tragic outcome was Chris Benoit, who uh, they kind of started around the time up, same time up here, and were you know pretty interactive. And uh, Benoit passed away after Owen died. But uh, but yeah, I know Owen, Owen had a lot of respect for Chris, and uh, he told me he had a lot of regard, even though he hadn't worked with him that much. He uh, said he had kind of crossed paths with uh, Chris Urban, Chris Jericho, uh, who kind of started up here as well, you know, and uh, I think when Owen died, Jericho was just kind of getting off his, I don't think he'd even made it to WWE yet, but he would, he had done a little bit in Japan, and I know Owen told me he had, he predicted good things for Chris Urban, you know, and proved to be the case too, you know, so he was pretty, uh, you know, a big fan of Chris's and, but yeah, Owen was one of those guys who really, uh, within the business, you, you really, uh, appreciate and value guys who are, uh, giving off good energy in the dressing room and, uh, protecting the propriety of the business and, uh, actually care about the fans and care about their fellow wrestlers and are not just for themselves. And um, Owen was one of those individuals who uh, was very passionate about all those things. And I think that was one of the reasons why uh, I know at his funeral there was, and and even like the night after they had that tribute in, uh, just in the ring where the wrestlers came out and uh, it was pretty touching and uh, it was 100% uh, straight from the heart when the wrestlers were uh, just kind of paying their respects and just talking about Owen but uh, it was pretty sincere because he, he had made that impression on them you know, and they, they kind of you know valued uh what he had done and what he represented, uh, you know, maybe a lot more than some of the other guys. You, know, you wouldn't want to reflect, and if it had been somebody else who had, you know, got killed in the ring, if if there had been the same kind of an outpouring. But uh, you know, Owen was one of those guys who was very uh, legitimately loved and respected by the boys, you know, and. Uh, you know, that, that certainly uh, came out, you know, during that whole thing, you know, and uh, that, that's one more reason why, in my estimation, it's an egregious oversight that WWE has, uh, 20 years later, seen fit to induct Medusa and <laughs> the Godfather and 
William the Refrigerator Perry or <laughs> whoever the hell, you know, into the Hall of Fame, but uh, nowhere to be seen as Owen Hart, you know, who paid the ultimate price, you know, for the wrestling business, for the WWE or whatever, and uh, he's apparently not worthy, so, you know, go figure or whatever, you know. All right, well, I'm going to pass the mic back over to Glenn. I'm sure Glenn's got a couple more questions for you as we uh, you know, talk more about Owen and his induction this year into the uh, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. All right, uh, Bruce. Yeah, I, sure. I got a, just a question about, you know, you, you talked about uh, some of Owen's seasoning uh, up in Calgary and what a great melting pot it was because he got a, opened up to a lot of international styles, especially with the Japanese that uh, were working with, with through the company uh, that would pass through. You talked about a few of the guys that Owen had the opportunity to tag up or, or wrestle against. But this was just merely part of his education because even early on, Owen uh, really quickly built a reputation uh, internationally, and it wasn't only just in Japan. We're talking about uh, places I was looking at, uh, just all the places that he had the opportunity to work. You know, you're talking about Germany, uh, you know, you're talking about Mexico, and you're talking about England, just a couple of uh, of the big places that he was able to work. And I think that was uh, really, again, uh, WWF, WWE really missed out on just, you know, highlighting how much seasoning this guy Owen had, you know, how much Owen had in him, you know, how many styles he did develop and how adaptable he was. And I think that's the real shame, but man, you want to talk about a guy that really in his short life, how much seasoning he got in an early, early part of his career internationally. It definitely was Owen Hart. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And that was one of the beauties of our promotion. Stampede wrestling was, um, for whatever reason, you know, I, I know I, I did a bit of traveling, and I, you know, I've seen people like Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy, and when I was in Japan, I had seen a lot of the guys like Liger and uh, Hasse and uh, people like that, and you'd be uh, in different territories or different uh, countries like uh, Germany or Australia, and uh, and. Uh, I think uh, that that was one of the uh, things that was really exceptional about Owen and a few of the other guys in Stampede. They seem to have this innate ability to seamlessly transfer, you know, uh, transform into working with Japanese or you know British guys or American guys or uh, guys from different you know, uh, backgrounds and, uh, they seem to uh, bring out the best in each other, which is what a, a great worker is really all about. And, uh, unfortunately these days I see all too often these, uh, guys from other places, uh, rather than, you know, showcasing and capitalizing on some of the unique talents that they are bringing from a different background uh, all too often they uh, suppress those things and try to convert them into the WWE style you know which uh, you know is uh, somewhat arrogant and uh, you know uh, counterproductive you know I, I know when I was booking Stampede I uh, you know I had guys like Dynamite Kid or I had uh, Juice and Liger I had uh 
guys from different backgrounds and uh it was obligatory for the the guys working the, the Calgary guys or whoever to you know kind of adapt to those styles and bring out the uh the best in each other you know and, and uh that was one of the reasons why uh we had such success up in Calgary cuz uh there was this kind of uh fertile you know kind of uh wrestling environment that uh you know encompassed uh, all these different styles and uh didn't didn't try to uh suppress or uh disregard them you know and uh, that 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 was one of the reasons why I think people like Owen and Benoit and um Dynamite Kid and Brett and some of those guys were uh, as good as they were, you know. I, I know Brett would probably tell you the same. He, uh, you know, rightfully gained a reputation as being one of the best workers of the modern era, and one of the reasons he was so good too was uh, because he had the ability to adapt on the fly to working with virtually any style, you know, whether it's big sluggish guys or fast guys or, you know, uh, technical guys or whatever, you know, they seem to be able to seamlessly adapt and uh, rise to the uh, occasion. And uh, I think WWE needs to be uh, <laughs> endeavoring to have more guys like that. You know, there's, there's a few guys I put in that realm People like AJ Styles, you know, and Randy Orton that seem to have that wherewithal to uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, uh, but there's far too few that don't, you know, and uh, it compromises the uh, potential of the type of wrestling you're endeavoring to present. Oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, I want to go through, we talked about uh, memories of Owen in the ring, uh, Bruce, but, you know, as time has moved on, we're, we're going to be remembering now the 20th, uh, 20th anniversary of Owen's passing. Now, uh, as time has moved on, what are some of the things that you you still remember and things that you remember about Owen, not just as, uh, you know, the, the wrestler that we, we remember and, and love uh, so far and remember so fondly in the ring, but what do you remember, you know, what memories do you take with him uh, from, you know, from from just Owen the brother, you know, I mean, as far as your sibling goes, what does that, what memories come up uh, when, when every year, when a year passes by and, and we remember Owen and his life around this time of year? Owen, um, he had a very innate sense of uh, integrity or decency. He was just a good person, you know. He uh, cared about other people, and he, uh, as I said before, he he seemed to always give off good energy. And uh, I remember if it was just on the van trips or road trips, or he was always kind of upbeat, positive, giving off, you know, positive or you know, endeavoring to encourage other people, and uh, he was never uh, too negative. Or he, he, I'm sure WWE, you know, uh, some of his peers would tell you the same. He always seemed to be uh, endeavoring to brighten spirits or lighten the load or whatever. You know, and uh, that that was one of the things. And it's been well documented. He also had a 
a great sense of humor. He was a little bit, uh, some would say, mischievous. It was never uh, malicious or anything. He was always up to some kind of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, and quite often it was, you know, hysterical, uh, you know, some of the uh, stuff he perpetrated on the road that was uh, his so-called practical, or my dad would say impractical jokes, you know. <laughs> he was uh, it always up to some kind of... Uh, <laughs> I remember one time Owen perpetrated this charade on uh, Brian Pillman. <laughs> Brian, Brian was a bit of a notorious... Uh, womanizer and uh, <laughs> I remember one time on and I were in this resort town in British Columbia called Kelowna and uh, on and I overheard uh, Brian talking to some fairly hot babe <laughs> about uh, hooking up after the, the show that night at this bar or whatever the hell and uh, we we had a town and we had to go to this town called Salmon Arm, which was about an hour away from this town we were in that night. And then, so we sort of knew that uh, Brian was, you know, eagerly anticipating this rendezvous with this hot babe or whatever. So Owen and I had uh, this guy named Bob Johnson, who was kind of our promoter. He lined up the towns and all like that and initially just to get a rise out of uh brian we had bob johnson come in and tell brian that uh he had to do a, a say no to drug speech at the senior citizens lodge after the matches and, and initially there was no no such plan or anything but this is just to kind of get a bit of a rise out of brian and uh Owen came in and said, uh, we have to go to the Pioneer Lodge, and, and uh, Pillman uh, went completely <laughs> ballistic and threw such a over-the-top uh, tantrum about, we're not effing going, and Pillman had that raspy voice and all like that, I'm not going to the effing seniors to <laughs> say no to drug speech, and uh that, of course, became a challenge to Owen. So, uh, also, now, initially, there was no plan to actually go to the Senior Citizens Lodge, nor was there ever a, a speech or anything prearranged or anything. So, next thing you know, we're <laughs> driving to this Senior Citizens Lodge after the matches, and it's all, all the lights are out, and we... Uh, Owen goes up to the door and knocks and gets the caretaker out of bed or whatever and uh, and says, we've driven, he didn't mention we were wrestling that night or anything, but it made out like we had driven all the way from Calgary just for the sole purpose of Brian Pillman doing a say no to drug speech to a bunch of seniors and uh, this old caretaker saying, I, I don't know nothing about it or anything <laughs> Owen uh, saying the regional health board, you know, they they should be ashamed of themselves for not telling you. And in, in any case, you know, Brian Pillman's here, and uh, you know, we may as well do the. And, uh, so this old caretaker says, "Okay, I'll I'll wake everyone up." <laughs> so 
it took about half an hour to round up all these seniors who are in their walkers and their hearing aids and they got their you know, wheelchairs and all this stuff and, and they're in the foyer of this uh, building and and this this old caretaker's you know Owen's got him now being the MC and saying, Folks, we got a a real treat for you here. We got and he, he got Tillman's name wrong, called him Ryan Tillman or something. <laughs> and we got Ryan Tillman and he's got a special message for all of you <laughs> and uh Tillman gave like the most half hearted uh uninspiring he said i don't no one was steaming anyway but he's going uh i know some of you are tempted to take crack or cocaine or whatever and they're all they're all like wow yeah and he says uh, he's saying i'm just here to say just say no and then he turns to bob johnson who he's steaming at and saying uh let's get the hell out of here in the meantime on it told this old caretaker, uh, you know, uh, you don't have any coffee or any, uh, you know, uh, so next thing this guy's pulled out some old Sara Lee cake out of the freezer and he's got uh, made coffee and then oh, uh, Brian's like wanting to get the hell out of there and Bob is saying, uh, oh, you know, uh, Felix over there has made all this coffee, you know, uh, we can't offend him. <laughs> and you know, getting Brian all wound up about Bob, uh, you know, uh, you know, taking more time. And then I, I remember we finally got back to the, the motel and uh, Brian's still frantic to try to get down to the uh, the bar. And so he um, he thought he'd maybe have use of the ring vehicle for the, the, the van to take and Owen had Bob Johnson take off, and then uh, so Brian was hitchhiking into town. And I remember it was pouring rain, and Owen and I saw this mangy old dog hanging around the, the parking lot. And next thing, Owen uh, took the dog, and some other got the key to Brian's room and took the dog and uh, put it and dressed it up in Brian's ring <laughs> ring attire and put it in in the bed and gave it some pizza crusts to. Kind of, uh, you know, so it was relaxing, and he had it in Owen's in uh, Brian's bed, and then uh, I remember just for a little bit of mischief, Owen uh, screwed out all the light bulbs in Brian's hotel room, and uh, for some reason, Owen put the uh, waste paper basket in the uh, hotel room up on the bathroom door, filled it with water. <laughs> Anyway, Tillman returned about three in the morning. He had missed his rendezvous with the, the hot babe and uh, was you know, not in a very good mood. He came back to his room, and uh, I remember he turned the light on, and the uh, light didn't come on because all that screwed out all the light bulbs, and he went into the bathroom, and the light didn't come on in there, and he slammed the door, and the uh, waste paper basket hit Tillman on the head, and... <laughs> I think split his head open and, and soaked him, and uh, and he's swearing and going nuts, and the dog freaked out and tried to attack Pillman. <laughs> so, there was all this commotion. Pillman went out and smashed about for street light in the hotel, and uh, so I remember the next day, my brother Ross, uh, 
the hotel manager, you know, gave us a bill for a hundred bucks or something for the light bulbs and the, the damages. And, and Ross, uh, <laughs> accosted Pillman who claimed that a, a dog wearing a sports coat tried to attack him in his bedroom. <laughs> and Owen was like, uh, you know, Brian must be a, a higher something, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I remember it was just total insanity, but, uh, that was the kind of stuff that on he's always up to some kind of uh, mischief, but uh, in its own way, it always kind of uh, made the road trips shorter, you know, and made things more fun, you know. But but yeah, uh, I remember. I, I think you guys probably heard that story about the uh, the time that the uh, the Godwin. I think they had Henry and Phineas, God, the Godwin brothers, and they WWE had. Uh, arranged for something where they had a bunch of livestock and pigs and something like that delivered and it was, they were supposed to bring it into the uh, the ring or something as part of their gimmick or something and I guess the guy with the livestock truck showed up in, uh, in the afternoon and he asked where is he, where is he supposed to take all these uh, pigs and cows and goats and whatever and uh Oh, and uh, without missing a beat, said, I'll show you. And he, and he took it all into Vince McMahon's dressing room, the, uh, where Vince was uh, supposed to have his own personal. So uh, I guess about an hour or two later, Vince McMahon uh, shows up. There's like cow manure and pigs and goats <laughs> and all this stuff in, in his dressing room. And, and I heard he was initially uh, kind of up in arms, and then later on he kind of was uh, heard laughing and saying, Owen got me, you know, or something like that. But uh, that, that was the kind of uh, stuff that Owen, he was, he was always kind of uh, up to some kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, mischief. But it was, it was uh, in its own way, good for the, uh, you know, ease some of the pressure, took some of the tension. Well, very, very cool stuff, uh, Bruce. But you know what? Like it is, every time we have you on the darn program, the time limit has already uh, has come and gone, and it's been wonderful having uh, you on, Bruce. And you're always welcome to come back, and we can chat. We can just pick a topic. I hope you guys didn't. Uh, hope I didn't bore anybody or uh, <laughs> overstay my welcome. You know? Never, never, my friend. For Bruce Hart and the Grizzle Vet Michael McCurdy, this has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now.